is Christine Conti, and you are listening to best-selling author of Split Second Courage. What if your fears were the key to your dreams? That's right, everyone. Available on Amazon right now as an ebook or paperback. Grab your copy today and unleash your inner superhero. What is holding you back from living the life you truly deserve? It is Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Uh-huh. So we are uh, heading into the month of September. Unbelievable. I cannot believe that the... Is summer over? Like, is, no, is it over No, this is the already? best part. This is the best part for those of us here in the Northeast. We get a, another, we get a little bit of crispy weather, but we get uh, another few months of summer where where we live, the touristy area. It's kind of quiet. Yeah, everyone go the hell back home, and then we get some good running weather coming up. We get up. good running weather. They actually call it local summer, yeah. and, and I'm like the local summer cops, because like, you can't call it local summer, Conti. You're from New York. You're you, you're lived not lived here like for almost 15 years. That's not local. As far as locals go, I've, and like I've worked, the, I've been contributing to the society of this of New Jersey as a teacher, as a go, wellness fitness. Go whatever. tell it somewhere else, Conti. I'm the yeah, local police, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, you, you know that Babylon High School Hall of Fame isn't looking so good when you start talking about local. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jealous. Sorry. So, so that's my daughter the other day. We were driving. She was driving the car. And some, I don't know what we did. And I was like, Jealous? She was like, Oh my God. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's great now that our kids, kids are, are getting fun. a little older. Yeah, and, they're fun. You know, our kids went tubing I know. the other day. Yep. They're like, Colin almost like fell off. I'm like, Oh, please don't kill Colin. <laughs> and then he comes in with a, all the kids come in with bags of candy and like talkies and i'm like i see colin i go please would please don't tell show your parents that oh Oh, that's cool i come in and hide anything anyway i'm like (laughs) no he's "Ah, a gotcha he's a pig oh my gosh he's a pig so funny he eats everything that kid yeah so good yep good kids good Good kids kids. we do have nice children all right get along very well we have to we have to get into our we will at some point soon, we need to have um, just a show with us to recap some crazy stuff that has been happening the last, I don't know, since our last show. Um, it's my fault because I schedule and Brian's like, you do the scheduling. Why don't we have our own like, show? Yeah. So I'm like, book, book me right? and you. Shoot. <laughs> All good. It. All good. Okay. Today so, is not that episode. No, it's not. We got a, we got a, He's amazing. Yeah, we got a massive one here today. Big yes. one. Love Coach it. John. Jonathan McLernan. Ran into him like we were on a panel of something somewhere talking about something health and fitness <laughs> and, and nutrition and whatever. The two of you did something something somewhere. together about that something positive, and I was like, he's he's really cool. I want to hear his story. And you know what? It he had a freaking awesome story, and he has programs, and he's from another Canadian amazing you know person that. Also is a podcaster, also helps people transform and not like BS, like really works with the brain and um, talks about, you know, brain driven weight loss and health and wellness. It's really cool. Yeah, really cool. That That's the thing that I wrote down to brain driven weight loss and, uh, you know, all these things. And it, I even love the name of his podcast, which is um, Between the Before and After, right? There's the before and there's the after and then there's and the everything. And the stories in- that shape us was the, the tagline. shape us are the things in between. Yeah. And, and uh, I just love it. He's doing fantastic work. He's digging, you know, digging deep or, or having other people dig deep for themselves. Uh, you know, he... Like you said, you know we can uh, we we can be there next to you or with you, but you know that's your bags. You're carrying the bags. Oh, I love the backpack. Yeah, like because you talk about unpacking things, and it's like get a visual. Everyone, he's going to talk about. I'm not. I'm not your. Uh, I'm your tour guide. I'm not your Sherpa. I'm not holding your your stuff that you've been through. But I'm here to help you. You know, rewrite some chapters of your life. And I think it's really cool how he does it. Talking about you know if you're going to change, then. We need to start with how do our brains work? Absolutely. And, you know, our behaviors are really what drives everything. And, and for, you know, 
sometimes those behaviors are are hidden, and we you know that we're we're going through the motions and we're doing it. We're on that merry-go-round, and we just don't quite see things for what they actually are because we're caught up in it just as much as as anybody. And and uh, you know, just having an awareness of those things, and and then plugging in some you know positive behaviors to you know just either to leapfrog those negative behaviors or replace them or what have you um you know and and as john says uh you know make that the default so when we do run into some trouble we default back to some good behaviors uh as opposed to you know the the eating and the worrying and the anxiety and the trauma and all the things that we've you know uh, the dark places uh you know why not replace that why not have the default be something a little bit more positive and uh we look to when things were actually going good for us instead of, um, you know, when they are going to be destructive or hurtful or harmful or, you know, just not the best place for us to help us advance. And uh, we talk about all of this on this conversation. And it's- all of our listeners around the world, let's, uh, let's start to try and understand that human experience. Yes. How about we start to do that? We start with ourselves, and then we start to help other people do the same exact thing. If I want to keep what I got, I got to give it away, yep. right? We got to, mm-hmm. you know, if we're feeling good, uh, you know, if we're going to continue to feel good if we kind of share our experiences and help other people. So uh, that's what this one is all about. That's what John is doing with his uh, coaching, and, and uh, we really get into it. Um, so uh, enjoy this one. We're uh, happy to have our friend, our brother from the north, join us and uh, enjoy everybody. Another amazing episode of the Two Fit Crazies, as you heard in our intro about our amazing guest today, Jonathan McLernan. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Yes, I am. I am loving my time in the Bay Area right now. Just having having an absolute blast. Bay Area. What are you doing in the Bay Area? Uh, pretending to be there. I actually live in Alberta, Canada, yeah. which is like <laughs> uh, north north of Montana. For those south of the border, I live just east of the Rocky Mountains, in and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. And those of you that are just listening, it's because he's got a beautiful Golden Gate Bridge picture in the back. For everyone's like, what in the heck is okay? Yeah, yeah. what is he talking yeah. about? Yeah. Now, so to be fair, it. I've actually I've actually sailed multiple times underneath the Golden Gate Ooh. Bridge. Okay, yeah, I've gone over which I think, the Golden Gate Bridge, but not under. So. Yeah, yeah. So I was in the Navy and um, we'd, we'd often go up and down. I used to live in Vancouver Island and so on the west coast of Canada. And uh, we'd sail down to um, Seattle and then go down to San Diego where the Navy base is down there and do like war games with the U.S. Navy. And so on our way down there, we're like, well, since we're passing by San Francisco, we should probably stop there. And uh, and so, yeah, we we absolutely would. Had had like a funny experience in San Francisco one time. Well, funny? No, it was like a bit, bit off-putting, but uh, I was young and naive, so... I'm from a small town in Canada. So. All right, like now that <laughs> now, you, like spill the tea, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I was just like wandering around San Francisco, kind of exploring, and and it was I don't know mid afternoon or something like that, and I was and and uh, this guy was like, "Hey man, you want you want a free drink? Come up and check out the lounge or whatever." And I was like, um, "Okay, cool. I'll I'll come up for like a free drink." And I had no idea. I'm like, <laughs> so I so I go up there and I'm like greeted by this server waitress whatever who's not wearing a whole lot of clothing and i was like oh let me show you to a seat brings me into this room i'm like i thought i was like just kind of going up to a lounge bar sports bar kind of thing and gonna get a free drink something and i'm like brought into this room and this like woman comes in and is like all right what do you want to do i was like um i don't know like what is happening right now i thought i was coming to a sports bar for a free drink could i have like a ginger ale or something (laughs) And uh, she's like, we can do whatever you want to do. It just depends oh. on what you're willing to pay. And I was like, 
whoa, whoa, I think like something's like horribly wrong here. This is, uh, I am absolutely in the wrong place. And like she got on her knees and like, you know, put her hands like on my leg because I was sitting in a chair and, 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 and was like, and I was like, whoa, this is like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> like, so um, I'm glad that I, I got out of okay because it could actually have been like really awkward. Um, <laughs> it could well, have been very I mean, awkward. <laughs> I mean, it was really awkward, but it could have been worse. Now that I think about it, like I just went into some random building thinking I was going to some upstairs lounge, but yeah. in this room, like. You know, she could have like I don't know, got my pants down or something, and and I could have been robbed or things like yeah, that. Yeah, no, they handcuff like, you to something, and killed, then they take John. all your money. Yeah. yeah, like all these crazy things could have happened. Thankfully, I was like, I don't have any cash on me, and I legitimately didn't. I was like, I'm I'm from Canada. I don't have any U.S. dollars on and me. And I also have really <laughs> bad herpes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And scabies and, so, and everything. Yeah. I have all of it. Yeah, yeah. She would and she said, was like, yeah. oh, there's an, there's an ATM downstairs. Like, oh, sweet. Let me let me go down there and get some cash. And of course, I'm like out the front door. See ya. Um, but it, it was actually kind of weird because a couple hours later when I was like, well, I'll just keep wandering San Francisco. That was a weird experience. Um, I kind of like inadvertently bumped into her like going into a corner store. Oh. And, and of course, she like pretended not to like see me or whatever. Uh, but I was yeah. like, you know, I know who you are and I know what you're doing, you know. So that was that was kind of weird. Um, so San Francisco is full of delightful surprises, I guess. But, you know, when someone offers yeah. you a free drink, maybe don't like go for it. Yeah, yeah there's probably um, a catch. I was, I was there with my mom when I was 12. It was like sea turtles, was, not sea turtles, sea seals. Turtles. I keep talking about turtles today. You yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a University of Maryland girl and their football team is opening up. And we were just talking about how they are in the Big East now, which is a conference where they just get killed. And I right, right. We just cry. Is there is there a mascot a turtle? It's the big. It's the yeah. It's a terrapin. Fear the turtle. I know. It's the Big Ten. That's it. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, you said, you said Big East. I'm oh, sorry. Big, oh, Big East. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Big we big digress. Ten. Big Ten. I live in the East. <laughs> I live in the East Coast. It's Friday. We're recording this Friday before Labor Day weekend. I don't yeah. even know who I am today. Sometimes, <laughs> and everyone wants a meeting. Everyone wants to chat, and I don't. I like about what I'm, I'm not that important, Brian. You know that? <laughs> no one's yes, chat. you are. It's, unless it's on our podcast, <laughs> then we chat. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're chatting with you today. Um, yeah. Before, what do you want to talk about? I'm sure oh, there's. A, you know I'm sure there's some topics. Yeah. First of all, um, people don't just fall on our podcast. John. True. So we offered him a drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we put him in a hey. room. <laughs> Let's put you in a room and offer you a drink. Yeah. This is going to be awkward. But... <laughs> we just stick headphones on, put a microphone in front of you. All right. Yeah, yeah. That works. The, um, so we crossed paths because we were on like a, I don't know, like a panel or like something. Right. With, it was a while ago. And it, we were talking about health and fitness and nutrition and whatever. And I was like, this guy's mm. cool. Andy has a podcast, and I'm like, mm, we're gonna need to talk to him, see what see what his deal is, and you know, we love our Canadians, by the way. We have to have it. We yeah. have to have at least twenty percent of our show has got to be from like Canada. Canada has been very, is awesome, very good to us. No, like re- really, and and uh, some good people. Well, they're smart yeah. people, very very well educated well, bunch up there. I think part of it comes from you know, because I, I think now, like I'm forty, but I think now, like growing up, we had these ideas about the U.S. Um, of course, and, and, and I grew up like pre-internet as well, but we just thought like Americans weren't that bright. Um, but it's because, <laughs> well, I mean, it, are we generalizing or there's probably statistics hey. that back that up? Listen, we, we know what's on the other end of a free drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, it was, well, what it was really, though, was the Americans didn't know a lot about Canada. So I remember like having um, pen pals, for example, and, and we wrote to pen pals in Louisiana. And I, f- I first thought when it oh. said like LA that I was writing to someone in Los Angeles. Right. Cool. I was like nine, nine years old or whatever. And this is back when you like write letters and put it in an envelope and put a stamp and you mail it down and they, they like write a letter and send it back to oh, you. I and had pen they pals. asked if it's okay. Yeah. I did. They, they mm-hmm. asked if like we had, you know, polar bears or lived in igloos and oh, stuff. And yeah. I was like, whoa, yes, yeah, no, that's probably like, you know, four days drive north, but you know, we could probably get there. <laughs> like, so, so we had just these ideas about Americans, not really that they were dumb, but they didn't know anything about Canada. And so I think Canada, though, we're, we're like, we're like a, just a, a huge landmass with not a lot of people. So we've kind of had to punch above our weight a little bit and be a little bit more switched on because we didn't have like the economic or military might, right? We're like, you know, we're just kind of like a, a small population in a huge area. So 
maybe that forced us to be a little bit more clever. Yeah. I I have a theory about about how, you know, here we work for medical insurance and coverage and things like that. And that's all very mm-hmm. important to us. And we get stuck doing a bunch of shit that we don't love to do in order to get <laughs> yeah. that. Right. And I've always thought that, you know, everybody that we speak to in Canada, they, they love what they do. They're passionate about what they do. They do what they do because they can, because they're not right. doing it to, you know, to tie into the, you know, the medical benefits of it all. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of it's regionalized too. You know, you, you kind of, you mm-hmm. kind of do what's, what's, what's available to you in your area. Um, with your igloos and all, um, but yeah. no, but it, it, that sounded bad. But you, you know what I mean. Like you, you, there's not really like it's a long way between cities, right? Right. Yeah. So the, yeah. You know, the, the metropolitan areas, you know, where where maybe some of the, like the corporate stuff takes place is, you know, it's not always right there for people, you know. And and we have people that are passionate about fitness and wellness, and you know, and educated on it because they love it. They're not doing it yeah. to make a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting. I think you have a, a really good theory there that like we get to do a little bit more about what we're passionate about because we're not trying to get benefits. Most people like that's like a, a way to attract maybe talented employees is to offer benefits because your healthcare is so insanely expensive down there. Right. Like I heard it was something like 10 or 20 grand to have a baby. Uh, like, yeah, it depends. If you just have a baby naturally, it's like 15 grand. Forget it. If like, anything goes on or you need a C-section, then you're like 25,000. Yeah. Like, what? Uh, that's a great way to population control, I guess. Maybe? No, like, that's people are like, oh, I'll just have this baby in a bathtub. No, because, you know, because okay. <laughs> no, you, you, you just got to get right back to work in order to, mm-hmm. to pay for it, you know. Or, yeah. and, and most people with the, with the benefits, you know, will, will, won't see that bill. Um, you know, mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. wife, fortunately, is a school teacher that, you know, is, we get we get very good coverage for that. So. I'm kind of like a Canadian where I get to do the things that I want to do um, because I, you know, I, I refuse to, you know, people will just get stuck working office jobs and, and, and like, you know, just things that just the things in order to make everything else around them a little bit more affordable, but they're miserable, right? They're not right, really, yeah. they, don't, they don't have a passion. You they don't have drive. They don't you know have, that, right? I can't. Right. Cause then you're going to lose your benefits. I don't want to. She's lovely. <laughs> She's lovely. <laughs> yeah. She's been fairly good to me. <laughs> how many how many years you've been married uh let's see 15 15 okay yeah nice 15 solid years most of them yeah yeah i just crossed <laughs> over like six six well i'm at uh 16 coming up on 17 in december so there you go i think i'm 18 now yeah Crazy. Sounds like a bunch of teenagers. I'm 16. <laughs> yeah i'm 18 well, well, that, <laughs> yeah. i got married our... when i was 12 <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, Child bride. Uh, <laughs> That's all like our brain length, length. It's fine. It's fine. Age. All right. So, all right. So we digress. We're never digressing. We're always moving forward. So now we had cars and we crossed paths. <laughs> this is as far as we got so far. We crossed paths on a, you know, yeah. something. And then. Some rando thing. So then you do a lot with like nutrition and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What the mm-hmm. heck do you do with that? Well, I mean, I, I say that some. Um, I marry the science of metabolism with the psychology of behavior change and the compassion of human connection to create life changing results for people. So that that's kind of like a mouthful, but I figured that was, that's like my elevator pitch that gets people Mm -hmm. maybe curious. Like, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? And, and I kind of call what I do like brain driven weight loss. I think I'm the one that's coined this term. I haven't heard anybody else use it, but it's this idea that, you know, when we don't want to lose weight, you think about the way we normally go about this, right? I'm going to go on a diet for joining this 12 week or 90 day program or whatever, do this thing, lose the weight and then carry on with my life. And it's like, well, that never produces permanent results. So we go, well, how do we, how do we create permanent change in people's lives? It's like, well, we've got to change um, according to the way that our brain works versus how we'd like it to, you know, like, Oh, I'd like to go on a diet for 90 days, lose the weight and then just carry on with my life living it like normal. So I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta figure out this problem. Now I, I have a backstory that involves going through trauma, PTSD, gaining 120 pounds, becoming obese. Um, and then fighting my way out of this for a number of years before finally maybe cracking the code, so to speak. And so that sort of got me into, uh, kind of teaching what I do. Okay. Let's back up. And uh, <laughs> I know. So no, but, so you grew tell, up. Yeah, I was gonna say. Blah, blah, blah. Tell us about that trauma. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no. just we need to. No, it's cool. We I, need I've to unpack it, so. a little, at least a little bit, as opposed to like sure, sure. the quick summary. We can have a little longer summary. So all right. So now 
from Canada. You said you're yep. in the Navy. Yeah. What was the – was that like I always wanted to do this or what's the deal? I was, I was, so originally I, I was studying um, chemistry and marketing psychology okay. at uh, University of Victoria. And uh, I was a nanotechnology researcher. So I was making nanoparticles essentially and then trying to make them do things. You know, nanotechnology sort of makes the news nowadays, but I'm like, I was involved in it way back in the day. Um, but I got bored of it and I was like, oh, I need a different kind of challenge in my life. And I met some guy that was going through boot camp and I was like, ah, I, I'd like to challenge of going through boot camp. I was young and fit. And so the nearest sort of recruiting office was a Navy one because I live on Vancouver Island. So I was like, oh, I'll join the Navy. That sounds cool, you know. And um, so the trade that they offered me was marine engineer. It wasn't like I, I, it wasn't what I wanted, but I was like, I'll take it. And actually, I remember when I find, when I like officially had my ceremony and signed the dotted line. As soon as my name, like the ink wasn't dry yet on the certificate or whatever, and uh, this guy who was going to be like one of my superiors, I guess, he comes up to me and shakes my hand and he's he's um, he says, "How do you feel about raw sewage?" Oh, and I was like, uh, uh, you know, because I didn't really know exactly what I was signing up for as a marine engineer. But one of the things you do on a ship is you deal with the wastewater. Like, because <laughs> what, what do you do with it? So yeah. he's like, how do you feel about raw sewage? And I was like, uh, not so sure. <laughs> I love you it. Know? <laughs> that, that was like a great introduction yeah. to the Navy, right? Yeah. I mean, you look, you look at recruiting videos and it's like shooting missiles and like riding in totally. like these fast attack boats totally. and like firing 50 caliber machine guns and shooting the big guns. And you're like, yeah, oh, you know, rock music or whatever. Maybe it used to be that. Nowadays, yeah. maybe it looks different, but you know. And I was like, the actual reality of being in the Navy is nothing like that most of the time. My dad know? used to tell stories about, because he was in, like, he did military stuff for a little bit. He used to tell stories about him peeling potatoes and cleaning toilet bowls <laughs> and, like, yeah. you know. It was, that sounds more accurate. That was, like, what they did. They tortured them, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we we clean the ship like twice a day because you got to keep people busy otherwise that's how you prevent mutiny is you feed them and keep them busy you know but it was <laughs> sometimes it was just like mind-numbingly dull tasks and then like your what's known as the coxswain um he was like sort of the chief disciplinarian on the ship would like come around and inspect and and like maybe once every four weeks the captain would do what's called captain's rounds and he's going to come around and inspect and you know you, you got to make it look good because if, if it doesn't like you're going to be scrubbing that thing until i don't know until your fingers bleed so, and, and it's also how you keep, you know, sanitary and kind of prevent the spread of disease because you just live in this floating steel box with a bunch of other people. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, nothing, nothing nearly as exciting as I'd hoped. <laughs> so you had a positive experience in the Navy and you got to go under the Golden Gate Bridge and, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So that, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was know, that. I, I will say I, I, I did like the whale watching. Um, yeah. You know, we, we sailed up to Alaska a lot as well. And um, there's lots of whales up there. And there's lots of whales off the coast of San Diego as well. And so both directions, when we go up and down the coast, kind of like a tractor, um, we, we'd get to see a lot of whales. And, and we did some cool stuff. Like we could go where cruise ships couldn't go on some of these tours and like go find this glacier and then like sound the horn or maybe shoot off a blank round to create like a, a cause the glacier to calve. Not that we did that, of course. Um, <laughs> thing, <laughs> stuff like that. So there was times where it was good. I mean, you know, I got lifted off the deck of a ship into a hovering helicopter via horse collar, which is basically something that wraps under your armpits. You're like, hold your arms together. Don't let go. Because if you do, you're falling in the ocean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then you go for a ride in this 40-year-old helicopter with the doors open. You're just kind of having to step back. So there, there was, you know, hoping the thing doesn't fall out of the sky, you know. Um, so there was times that we did some, like, cool stuff. But it was kind of few and far between. A lot of times it was just, like, driving a tractor back and forth. And I'm just working in the engine room. Like, there's no windows. So it's like, I don't know where we're going. But as long as the ship keeps going, they don't yell at me. So, <laughs> like, that, that, was, that was the Navy. <laughs> well, I, I mean... Honestly, going for a little less excitement would, I feel like that's a little bit safer is all I have to say about that. Yeah. So, so good. Well, yeah. I mean, so like we shot at things and stuff. Um, we had, we had like these, um, sort of like decoys, like large inflatable decoys, which is kind of cool. And they put like radar reflective panels on and stuff like that. And they, they actually get really big. Um, and the, the, the technical term was a KRT. So I'm putting the KRT in the water. 
It actually stands for killer red tomato. <laughs> like, so we call this thing. We're going to put this thing in the water. Or or we'd use like these sort of robot controlled um, boats and stuff. And you have the fighter jets come to their strafing runs. And then once they're kind of done that, then we get to have at her with the big guns. And then we go after them with like the 50 cals. And then eventually whatever's left, we, you know, start shooting off the deck at them. Just kind of excuses to shoot rounds. So, I mean, that, that was, you know, again, those are kind of sort of the fun things that I remember. But, you know, kind of scrubbing the corner in, in the bottom of like the sewage treatment plant, like is really not my <laughs> idea of a good time so <laughs> well at, you once, take the good with the bad <laughs> once again here in the united states our education is so expensive in addition to our health insurance that mm-hmm. that's what they offer the military for because they'll yeah. pay for your college right and i think what right. you just described scrubbing the corner of the waste uh, you know room is like the best case scenario worst case scenario is you get shot up you know like it, 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 and it's you know and that's in order for, to have people pay you know we'll pay for your college if you come and do this stuff float in the box and, right. you might you might die on a deployment but, yeah. right. I mean, right. at least your college at least your college was paid for and your right. life insurance pays the rest of your debts yeah. or something yeah and, and <clears throat> people will thank you every day all right so after this yeah. vainglorious experience scrubbing things <laughs> in an engine room with some cool experience now when did you get out of the navy uh, so we, we, I quit in 2009, right before the 2010 Olympics, the winter Olympics took place in Vancouver and the Navy wasn't very happy with me because I was one of their top engineers, but I was kind of sick of the politics and I'd made a, a plan with my wife earlier that we were going to travel around the world. And so we'd, um, we, we said, okay, let's just teach English somewhere. So we hopped on a plane, like packed everything to storage, you know, January, 2010, hopped on a plane and flew down to Puerto Vallarta. And then went inland to Guadalajara, like with no plan. And, you know, and I remember like flying, flying, flying down to Mexico and we're like, are we nuts? Like we just put everything in a storage unit, hop on a plane without a plan. Like, um, who does this? So anyways, we went inland to Guadalajara, started teaching at a school down there. <clears throat> and Guadalajara was kind of fun. It's, it's a city of 6 million people. Um, not really a touristy destination, but it's Mexico's um, second largest city. So we lived in this hacienda um, in, in like the gay district of Guadalajara that we had no idea because Mexico is quite conservative, and, but there's this one area in Guadalajara. And so we're living in this hacienda complete with like cockroaches and bed bugs. Like it's, it's not exactly the Ritz Carlton here, um, but it was like a hundred bucks a month. So, you know, <laughs> again, you take the good with the bad and it would transform at night. So it was called Centro Historico, like the old downtown. And at night we'd go, you know, if we were going to go and get some tacos or something, cause you know, there's a hundred different taco stands and they're all amazing. I ate way too many tacos down there. Only got sick once. Um, but each different street corner represented kind of a different orientation, if you will. So sometimes it's straight, sometimes it's gay, sometimes it's cross-dressers, sometimes it's... And you just never quite know, like, who you're talking to, like, kind of what the situation is. So we were kind of grateful that we did make some local friends and whatnot, because my Spanish is okay. But uh, we'd walk down the streets, and of course, I'm not Mexican. For those who can't see, like, I am I was, you know, nicknamed Casper when I was growing up, so... Um, you know, I, I'm like half ginger and pale, so it's very obvious that I'm not Mexican. And so of course that draws a little bit of attention when you're walking around in a place where there aren't a lot of white people. And, uh, so we'd get some pretty interesting remarks from the people on these street corners, but, um, my Mexican friends usually didn't bother to translate. So, um, it just has to remain a mystery to me, but they would just start laughing and I would go, okay. They probably said, you know, when someone in a miniskirt comes up and is like, hey, how are you? And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't register correctly in my brain right now. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on here. So it, it was, we thought in Mexico we'd have like, you know, some some rough experiences, but we we're actually pretty lucky. Um, we never got hijacked or robbed or stuff like that. Some of the buses, like if you, we never took first class buses because like those are the targets. Like you're, right. if you're on a first class, like they were cheap, but it, you know, air conditioned, big reclining seats and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're going to rob a bus, you're going to rob a first class bus. So like, now nah, we're going on the third class buses <laughs> with all the chickens. <laughs> like, so, oh man. So we, we traveled like travelers. We also didn't bring much valuable with us. And I kind of grew my beard and didn't cut my hair and just looked like a shaggy bum. So I was like, hopefully I'm like less of a target, <laughs> like to be robbed. So that, that was kind of how we traveled. Um, but along the way, we, we traveled to a bunch of different places, but eventually ended up in South Africa. And that was where, um, like, I was attacked and I was nearly beaten to death. And that was really traumatic. Um, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I can I can talk about it in a more lighthearted way because of, you know, it was 11 years ago and I've kind of done the work to sort of go through and process and all that stuff. But it really led to about seven or eight years of just struggling with my mental health, with PTSD, with food addiction and binge eating and and 
obesity as a byproduct of, of binge eating and, and so on. So that kind of led me on the path to getting me to what I'm doing today. All right. And what are you doing today? Well, we talked about the, the sort of the brain-driven weight loss stuff. So what's your – but what's your day-to-day? What's the – I mean, obviously, you know, without getting too, you know, too far into it, you said mm-hmm. you did the work. And I think yeah. that's something, you know, number one, the fact that you're overcoming. And I think that people sometimes think, oh, well, you know, something happened to me and it's over. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's something that will be with you for the rest of your life. And you've come up with a way to cope and a way for you that works. And, you know, I hate to say this, but you have been given this terrible situation that is now a gift for you Mm -hmm. that you have now been able to to find this these ways that can help other people. That's what makes Brian and I like, ah, like we're giddy about stuff like that. that, You know, we don't (laughs) want bad things to happen, but it's, you have, you are one of those people who, you know, I could, you know, recognize that, Hey, you know what? This is, you're, you've got something, you got something special and you need to share it with people. You know this. Mm -hmm. And so what, what is that? What is it like now? What, what do you like to work with? How are you, um, yeah, doing. I mean, I'm I'm in a great place, which is, is really cool. Um, I'm a dad now as well. I've got a 17 month old, which is is super fun, and I'm I'm grateful that I'm like a dad in this place versus where I was previously. You could rewind the clock five, six, seven years, and I was really wrestling with my mental health. Um, and I think part of the reason why I kind of share my story too is to give people hope because um, sometimes we look at like sort of mental health struggles as a life sentence, and it doesn't always have to be that. So for me, like the PTSD, the anxiety, the depression, all this kind of stuff that I was wrestling with, you know, um, I, at some point I kind of made a decision. And and again, this isn't to say this is always people's circumstances, but I was like, I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life. There has to be, there has to be another way. Like, cause I, I mean, like without going too dark, I mean, I understand why some people opt for suicide, for example, because it's like, you can't really, you can't turn your brain off. You can't escape from it. And so like, for me, it was, it was food. Um, for other people, it might be drugs or alcohol, or eventually they just, they just feel like there is no way out. And and it's like, maybe you can't make your situation perfect, but you can definitely make it better. And there are steps that you can take to make things less severe, less intense, less frequent, and so on. You know, so I mean, I, I remember having like multiple panic episodes a day. And when it first started happening to me, like, I didn't even know it was happening. It didn't cross my mind, like that I was dealing with anxiety or panic episodes or things, but like my heart rate would just out of nowhere spike to like 200 beats a minute. And like, I would feel like I was going to die and I couldn't breathe. And, and, and I had to get out of this room and get out of this situation. And, you know, I'd, I'd go outside and it, it would still follow me. And then, then you like start getting afraid of like, Oh my gosh, when is this going to happen to me next? And, and, and so on. So it was really, um, yeah, it was really a dark place for a few years there, but I think that's why I'm I'm more positive and kind of lighthearted about it because I want people to know that there is like there is hope that it doesn't always have to be that bad. Maybe maybe put it that way. All right, and through the work and through uh, you know doing all the uh, as you said the work, um, what did you find out about yourself, and what did you find out about yourself that you can use to help other people? Good question. Um, that I had a really sort of distorted view on masculinity and what strength is. Um, and I had a really distorted view about compassion and the value of it. So, um, I, cause I really started to hate myself and feel like my body had betrayed me. And, you know, I tried to kind of punish my body into submission, you know, cause I, I, I felt like because I'd become obese over my struggles with food and I was so frustrated that I like, n- knew what to do, but couldn't seem to do it. I call it now like living in the gap between like what we know and what we do. Right. And I didn't know how to solve that problem myself. Um, and I tried to power lift to kind of keep up with my eating habits, you know, and so I'd be snorting pre-workout and power lifting and, you know, listening to heavy metal and just like sort of very hyper masculine behavior trying to, well, I was basically driving myself into the ground. Um, and so it was, it was really actually when I hired a coach in 2017 and I thought I was hiring him cause I wanted to lose weight and, and look good. And he was like pretty, pretty jacked for 40 something year old at the time, um, and he worked with me in a way that I totally didn't expect. You know, I thought he was just going to be like a hard ass. He was going to, you know, tell me what a loser and hopeless failure I was and stuff. And, <laughs> and, uh, to you know, cause to inspire first... you, of course, to right, inspire right, you to greatness. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause all of this is like, and this is all projection happening in my own head, how I felt about myself, just projecting onto him and assuming this is how he was going to treat me. And so like, it was almost, I don't want to say confronting, but 
in a sense it was that he was like so patient and gentle and compassionate and kind and like unexpectedly because it was like men don't like behave like this towards other men, you know? And he was just kind of chipping away at this sort of facade that I had kind of built up to kind of protect myself. And um, really it was when he, he asked me a question that I say really changed the, the trajectory of my life. And he said, you know, Jonathan, if you, if you make a list of all the things that you love and value, how far down that list do I go before I see your name? So that one, you know, that one really stopped me because I wasn't even on the list. So it wasn't like I was somewhere near the bottom. I wasn't on the list. I really hadn't entered my sphere of consciousness that I could be on the list of things I love and value. I didn't see myself like that. And so it kind of started this journey of trying to figure out like, what is self-love? Because I thought it was like bubble baths and candles and wine and chocolate and, you know, like sort of the stereotypical behavior that might be portrayed in like more the female domain. So I didn't really understand this, even this concept. I'm like, how, how do we even learn how to do this when my entire life has never been something you've even thought about, you know? So kind of here I am in my th- mid thirties trying to like figure, figure this out. Um, but I really say that like compassion was like the, the, the core of this. And I was afraid of compassion because I thought it was a weakness. And I thought that, you know, if somebody treated me with kindness and compassion, as opposed to sort of trying to, you know, beat me into submission kind of thing, that, that I would just stay the way I was. I was a, like, I thought I needed to be treated a certain way in order to create change, but turns out actually compassion goes a long way to helping people change. And then how do you go from, all right, I've had this epiphany and it's, it's time to, it's time to, to share, to share what I've learned and I've woken up and now I need to feel like, you (laughs) know, and it is very, I mean, Honestly, you know, Brian and I, we, we get it. We, you know, we've both been through our things, put it that way. And, you know, there's this yeah, feeling, story. this, this feeling inside of us that we need to share what we've learned and yeah. not everybody has that, that it's yeah. few and far between. So was there a moment that you felt that way or what was it? Uh, well, I mean, I'd started kind of nutrition coaching people cause I had a supplement store. I went into business with a guy. Uh, that led to a failure and losing my life savings. So there's another fun one, but um, yeah, I've had a few of those adventures. Um, but I, I was in business with this guy running a supplement store and uh, people, I started coming to me and being like, I'm looking for a supplement to help with this or that. And I started asking them questions and just kind of get curious about, and, and I'd find, I'd, I'd be like, look, you know, I can sell you the supplement, but the truth is it's probably not going to do what you're wanting it to do. Here's the things it might help you with, but it's not going to do what you're asking it to do. And I started to call myself a bartender without alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I, people would just like come to the counter of the store and just like pour out their heart. And, and so I think like I actually have a knack for working with people and coaching people. And really I look back and it's like, I've been sort of in some sort of teaching or instructing or coaching capacity for most of my life, even going back to childhood. And uh, so I realized I was sort of on to something, I guess. So we started offering, I guess, nutrition coaching and really in, in the beginning, it was, it was about like also giving people sort of supplement plans to, to go along with the nutrition or meal plan we would give them so that we'd have sort of recurring revenue from them. Um, but I was realizing that like I could engineer a brilliant meal plan and a training plan and I could really tinker with variables like the scientist I am and, and get people amazing results in the short term. But after about like eight to 10 weeks, they would just like ghost me. And I'm like, what is going on? They couldn't like stick with it. And of course they couldn't because nobody can white knuckle their way through this like for the rest of their life. And so they would feel ashamed that they couldn't adhere to it perfectly. And I'd see them like six months later kind of come back into the store, sort of head hanging down like, oh, you know, what happened? No, oh, I like gained all the weight back and stuff. And 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 so and I realized I was like seeing my own struggles mirrored in this because I was still battling with my own weight loss. And I was like, there's got to be, there's got to be like a different way. And so it was when I started working with this coach that kind of opened the door to shifting how I worked with people and really starting to try to understand the human experience um, that they were going through and trying to understand more than just like follow these rules because I told you to and turn it into like, let's understand your human experience and let's try to make sense of why you do what you do and, and sort of make peace with the fact that beating yourself up isn't going to work. It never has, never will. And so let's try it. Let's try a different way. And so it just sort of became this evolution over time. I'm just, I'm just sitting back. (laughs) I I love this because you were able to honestly have empathy for people that sometimes the average person is not going to have. 
and that is yeah. that is what makes you successful whatever that whatever that means to you mm-hmm. that you are helping people in a way and i love that you say the human experience because you know yeah we can give you a pill we can tell you to do some exercise you, we can oh do this but unless you unless you really talk to someone and and get to know what's their why behind why are they acting like this mm. why do you need to lose 10 pounds what how is that going to change yeah. your life and and what if you can't and what if you know what what's going to happen then what's your coping mechanism who what people yeah. are in your life like i mean it's people ask me all the time they're like you know when you meet with people can i have your your you know client intake check form that you use and this and that and i'm like listen i can share all of my you know paperwork with you but really it's not about the paperwork it's about the mm-hmm. conversations that you know come after that first question that you asked how are you following up with that what does that lead mm-hmm. into are you realizing there's so many more parts to the puzzle that is sitting in front of you than you even realize and it's going to take time to to kind of chip away at it um without you know without just a eight weeks and then them feeling bad about themselves it's you know getting that trust and relationship where they want to be there and they you know i always say like the you know the best how do you improve client uh retention i'm like have a relationship with someone because then they, you know, are like, Oh my gosh, well I care about them and they care about me. And it's not just about money or whatever. It's, it's so much more and it becomes a part of their life. Exactly. Give them enough value and and resources and, Mm -hmm. and, and just friendship that, you know, when, when it comes time, they're going to be like, Oh, I've got to call Christine. (laughs) You know, I got to call John. I got to call coach John because, you know, he he definitely knows what I should do. Right. You know, that's, (laughs) you know, that's, that's the whole thing. I have, you know, I wrote it down before brain driven weight loss. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what you said was, was, you you know, was more like thoughts and, you know, where do you come in and and recognizing those things? Um, You know, the brain works in mysterious ways, right? Our thoughts aren't always reflective of our actual brain, right? Uh, and yeah. so how do you differentiate the two and how do we get into brain driven and like, is brain driven even conscious? Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I think about sort of the different areas of our brain and different parts of our brain and kind of how they work to create our behaviors, I guess. So, I mean, I'm still kind of maybe an engineer and a scientist at heart, but now I have, um, I'm like an empathic engineer, um, and so I, I'm incorporating the human experience into it as well. But I look at like, um, how, how our brain works. So we have like our conscious brain, you know, our thinking brain, and that process is about 2% of whatever is happening in our brain, you know, cause we, we process something like 11 million bits of information per second or our brain does. There's no way on earth that we could, we could ever consciously register most of that. So it all happens behind the scenes. <clears throat> well, it comes, that's what happens with behavior patterns and habits and things and even thought patterns and whatnot. Like if you've ever driven from like, I don't know, maybe you drive to and from your place at work and you've been doing it for 10 years. And one day you just drive there and you're like, holy crap, I don't even remember driving here. How did I get here safely? Well, your brain just did that whole pattern on autopilot without you having to consciously think about it. So if we if we make your path to success, like the, the central requirement is that you have to consciously pay attention to every detail, you can't succeed. Because eventually life stressors, they're going to kick you in the junk. They're going to punch you in the gut. Like you're going to get thrown a curveball at your head like – and, and that's when you default into whatever your, your behavior patterns are. So if we know that that's how our brain works, like, well, how do, we, how do we kind of rewire our brain? How do we tap into the concept of neuroplasticity to help our brain not just like create um, sort of new patterns, but make it a way of living so that your, your lifestyle, your healthy lifestyle is like your default behavior pattern. So when right. life throws you a curveball, that's what you're doing as opposed to the old way of being. So, so that baseline that that is developed, you know, just through shifting of behavior, you know, is is the default, mm-hmm. and and it comes down. To, I I love that. I love it, and and you know, I I do think that you know one of the things that I always do when coaching people is 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 that you know just listen. When first meeting, you know, we're just getting to know each other. What do, what you know? What should you do? I don't know. We're just getting to it, right? Uh, yeah. Do me a favor, though. I said, you know, just observe everything. You know, just kind of pay attention yeah. to yourself. Pay attention to your mm. tendencies. Pay attention to all those things. You know, how do you get to work on, on you know, 10-minute drive? You know, do you even pay attention to that? What's it like? You know, what is it? 
What is it like? You pass the same people all the time. You know, you're pretty much in the commute and you're locked in and all those things. Because we do a lot of things, whether it's snack or, um, yeah. you know, our ticks and our, you know, our little clearing of the throat or whatever it, it may be. You know, all these things that we do over and over and over again without even realizing that it's happening. And if you don't believe mm-hmm. me, just have the power go out in your house and walk in and out of a room because you'll hit that light switch, right, without even yeah. knowing it. And then even though when <laughs> you know the lights aren't going to come on, uh, it, you'll do it again. Um, I've got a, a bunch of those. But I thought you were going to say editing podcasts. Editing you podcasts? Really tell, I really tell people's <laughs> behaviors. Oh, well, that, yeah, they do the... They smack their lips. I I cut that out. Yeah, the lip smacking. Or um, I say um a little bit, you know? Yeah. I say you know. Uh, Well, I I, I joke that like, you know, if I was to come into your house and have that spray that they use like on CSI or something, you spray it and you shine like the UV light and you'll just see a well-worn pattern of footprints like between like your living room and your pantry or something. And you'll just see like you follow like the same path, like get home, put my keys here, you know, take my coat off or whatever go into the kitchen, open the fridge and stare at it. And before you realize that you're already like, you know, digging into something like it just, it just happens. And so here, here's the hard part. So to create change, we first have to bring our unconscious patterns into our conscious awareness. And that can actually be really uncomfortable because what we're doing is we're taking unhelpful behaviors and, and we're now making ourselves aware of it. And now we have to deal with the fact that like, I have these things that I do that aren't really, you know, that are not that helpful or healthy or, or good. And so if we, if we're judging ourselves, we want to just hide those behaviors again. Quick, tuck those back in. I don't want to think about this. I'm going to start eating so I stop thinking, you know. So that's the first thing. But then the next thing we have to do is we have to use our conscious awareness to form a new pattern of behavior. But ultimately, by repeating that pattern of behavior, it then starts to become more unconscious or more automatic. So it's kind of like this, this cycle. And so, but along the way, you know, the way that, I, I like this quote, and it's not my, mine originally, but it's um, uh, relapse is as natural to change as exhaling is to breathing. Okay. So I was like, ah. Oh. So when you think about it this way, let's say we often look at things between like zero and a hundred. So let's just say zero is entirely the old behavior, you know, snacking every night at 8 PM kind of thing. A hundred is like maybe never doing that behavior. And we always look at the two extremes. I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it. Right. Well, there's a lot of numbers between zero and a hundred. So let's say you work your way all the way up to 50. You've made some really significant progress on changing this pattern of behavior. But now what you have is two equally strong patterns of behavior in your brain. You got the old pattern, which is go and grab a bag of chips every night at eight or go and do something else at that time. And sometimes your brain is going to choose the old one. Sometimes it's going to choose the new one. It has nothing to do with like moral or character failings, but your brain is going to, you know, and sometimes there's triggers and environmental cues and things like that. Like there's, you know, there's so many different things that go into it that, you know, go so maybe beyond the scope of the conversation in a sense. But just this idea that along the way, we're going to relapse into old behaviors, not because we're weak or have no willpower or we're failures, but because that's how our brain works. This thing's been wired. If you've been doing this for 30 years, like you aren't going to unwire this in two weeks, right? You know, it, it takes some time to sort of weaken that connection between neurons in your brain. And this, and this is why we all struggle with changing yeah. our behaviors. There it is. I yeah. Know. Or, or like once things go a bit awry, it's like you know falling back to the, the you know what do we mm. resort to? You know our. Uh, Left to our own devices, we we go to the way that we, uh, you know, wherever we was comfortable for us, which is generally a yeah. you know a behavior of comfort. Right. I, so many. I was going to say without you know without giving away all your secrets, you know, of course our our listeners um, around the globe, maybe just maybe you could share one little uh, golden nugget of advice for yeah. those that are you know they're looking to. They're looking for a savior to come and help, you know, whatever ailment or whatever sure, thing yeah. they're going through. Where can they start that you recommend for, again, this, is, this isn't a pill. This isn't a quick mm-hmm. fix. This is, this is your brain. This is behavior change. What do mm. you say? Well, I'm going to piggyback off what Brian shared because this is often what I, I share as well is that, like, compassionate awareness is where true transformation begins. So I deliberately include the word compassion in there because if we just become aware of our behaviors and start to judge ourselves, ultimately we end up wanting to hide the behaviors. So I'll give you a quick example. So let's say, you know, I pop over to Brian's place on a Tuesday afternoon and he's halfway through a six pack of beer and there's, you know, a few half eaten slices of pizza. That'd from be like a big problem. Before. Big problem. <laughs> That'd be a really right. big problem. I say Tuesday. That's right. That means I started somewhere around Wednesday. 
<laughs> but, but go ahead. I've got I've got issues. Go ahead. <laughs> so so I come in now. If I was like you know Brian, you idiot, why are you doing this? You're why are you being stupid? Like you know better than this, man. Like immediately, what I've done is I've created the sense of being judged. So here I am, like talking down to him for maybe an old pattern of behavior that was a coping mechanism. So the response is not I should change my behavior. It's I should get better at hiding my behavior. Right. Right. That, so, right. But on the other hand, if I'm like, oh, hey, man, you're already halfway through. You might as well just finish that six pack off and enjoy the rest of your night. I'm not helping them either. That's enabling. So that's kind of the other side of the other extreme, right, where I'm just encouraging you to continue in an un unhelpful behavior because I'm afraid to get uncomfortable with you if I do that. So, hey, let's just let's just gloss over and say, just keep drinking the beer and worry about it tomorrow. I'm pushing off the uncomfortable emotions because I don't want to be there. Whereas with compassion, I'm like, I'm going to get uncomfortable with you. We're going to figure out why you're doing this. And not through the lens of judgment, but we want to understand what got you here. Why are you doing this? What problem is this solving? You know, so I call it wrestle with our demons in the light. So when we bring compassion into the picture, it's not about enabling unhelpful behaviors, but it's about looking to understand without judgment. And that's where we can create change. I have a, so here's, here's what I'm thinking as you're going through this, is that you said, you know, about being uncomfortable and oftentimes it's when you're talking to someone and again you this could be a client this could be a friend this could be a loved one doesn't matter that isn't there that sense of fear that they're going to get upset they're going to get angry i'm going to ruin a relationship mm. if i say something i mean i think that yeah. there's that fine line that you have to walk and you're like picking your battle right <clears throat> well here's the thing like i i can't force anybody to change so many people hire me like I say, I'm a tour guide, but I'm not a Sherpa. So I'm not, I'm not carrying your backpack. I can't do that. Now I can, I can invite you to open up your backpack, unpack it. Let's see all the things you're carrying with you. What things maybe you should let go of and put behind you, leave them on the trails, move forward, maybe help equip you with some new tools. But I'm not carrying your backpack for you. I can't. That would be disrespectful and disempowering for me to say, well, you're too weak to handle your own problems. So let me solve them and give them back to you. You've learned nothing from that. And so, but, but first of all, in order to get to that place, person has to say like, I'd like to get some help. I'm now at this place where I want help. So if I, if I try to ram it down somebody's throat, like it just, it's not happening. You know, the, their primal brain will just put up the, what I call the emotional brick wall. We're just going to throw that up and there's no way I'm changing. I'm digging my heels in. Mm. And so when you see somebody struggling, you know, of course you want to help. If you're a good person, you see someone struggling, you have compassion, like compassion is, so I call compassion like empathy 2.0. So empathy is the ability to sort of connect and feel emotions that others are feeling. But compassion goes a step further and says like, let's, let's help you to, um, I want to end your suffering. I want to help you to, to move past your suffering. Right. And that's, and creating change is the way that we do that. Whereas empathy, you just kind of get burnt out eventually just feeling everybody's pain and just, you know, it sucks. Yeah, sure. So. Yeah, it's like, you know, I just want you to sit there and listen and then not do anything. It's like, yeah, but mm -hmm. compassion leads me to like, I have a solution. I have something that can help you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like you said, that willingness of the person to be ready for the change is, is, is important. You know, otherwise we just seem like assholes who know everything with, <laughs> you know, with a yeah. cape that's going to, you know, going to come save the day. Well, I think just asking good questions, like curious honest, compassionate, reflective questions where it gets them thinking about it from a different perspective. So I say like a really great coach doesn't have all the answers. They have all the best questions. Um, so it's like we're leading people to a conclusion that, you know, we'd like to guide them to, but where they feel like they've come to this conclusion on their own rather than me telling them. So now it's theirs. They take ownership over that conclusion versus me saying, hey, you should change. You should stop drinking beer on Tuesday afternoon because it's a bad idea. You know, well, that doesn't really help you. But if I'm like, you know, um, Hey man, like is, is drinking beer, like getting you to where you want to go? Like, is it, is it really solving that problem for you? You know, how do you feel about it? Yeah. How's it served so just, you? Right. Just, just kind of getting curious about it and then allowing people to come to their own conclusion. It, they're a lot more likely to create change than, than if we just try to dictate to people why they should change. Ooh, I'm always having conversations with people about, you know, they'll say, Oh, this is, you know, they're talking negative about things. And I'm like, how is, you know, like, and I, people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you're being such a freaking bitch about this, but <laughs> it's people that I care about and they're talking negative or, or self-deprecating words to themselves. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and I'll stop them and be like, I'm going to stop you right there because how is what you're doing right now 
positive for you moving forward? Mm-hmm. How is that healing for your emotional well-being? How is that helping your job? What what is what is this? Do? You're wasting your energy on something that's so negative mm-hmm. when you should be taking that energy and putting it to yourself. And those are the things that I think sometimes when you talk about asking questions, I mean, not just about you know nutrition and you know and exercise mm-hmm. and whatnot, but overall mental health we're talking about right now like what is happening you know as a society we're putting this negative negative word all right i get Mm -hmm. it it's not unicorns and rainbows we all get it we got it we're good but what are we doing to move past it you know because looking backwards messes with your neck we know this so negative self-talk is a really interesting one and uh, because our brain is like primarily wired to look for negativity because um, we're we're looking for threats, like that's our that's our basic sort of primal biology, and that's why like the media shows us negative stuff ninety percent of the time because it draws our eyeballs in, right? Sure. We're not threatened by a beautiful sunrise. We're like, oh wow, that's really nice to look at, but like we're not threatened by it, and so we have this inbuilt sort of negativity bias. But I, I always like to say that all behavior makes sense. So I go, okay, well, what purpose is negative self talk serving? Because if we if we just try to say there's no value to that for you, like you know they they would probably change the behavior. But there's a reason why we do it. Um, and I'll just give one example because there's many different reasons why. But let's just say I feel really frustrated about my behaviors, my food crimes, if you will, that I've committed. Well, if I beat myself up, I've kind of paid the price for my crime, but I don't have to change my behavior. Yeah. And so every time I go and have like uh, maybe like a binge eating episode or something like that, I can just beat myself up and I've paid the price for my crime and I don't have to change my behavior. Hmm. So if we start from the place that that behavior has a purpose and we understand what that purpose is, then we can, you know, sort of create more effective change. But just telling someone to stop doing something without understanding what purpose that behavior serves, it doesn't really help them to create change. Yeah, it's it's a guess. It's a big guess. Tell us, uh, tell us a bit about uh, the successes that you've had. Uh, you know, tell us some things that you know that that you know work for certain. You know, th- something that I, you can. Uh, Maybe your default for helping other people is there, you know, obviously we're all different, mm-hmm. but the, you know, there's, there's some things that work, some things that don't, how do you get this to work? And, and, and really, um, you know, the big question, how long does it take? How long till I'm better? Uh, yeah, as long as it takes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like the unsatisfying answer. Like, yeah. cause there really is no end to this, right? In one sense. No. Like I, I think of it like I'm, um, I'm going to help people co-write a couple of chapters in their life story. And in doing that, change the ending of their story because they're going to be on a different path. And and so that's really kind of how I view the, the work that I do. It's not really about me, but I'm just going to help them co-author a couple of chapters and, and hopefully change the ending of their story because they look at the path they're on currently. So my program, for example, is called Lifestyle 180, and it's 180 days. And it's really the, the name obviously is intended to convey a message of going in a different direction. And so um, we kind of start with where they're at and and – where they're going and where they see themselves as, as heading. Like if you continue doing what you're going to do, let's have that uncomfortable conversation and say, where does this lead you? Let's, let's, let's talk honestly about that. And, and sometimes that creates some really uncomfortable emotions. Lots of times it creates tears and things like that, but I'm with them in that. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm here, you know? And now let's, let's think about something different. Let's think about if, if I had my magic wand, I wave my wand, you know, and we're six months down the road, where is it you would like to be? You know, how would you like this to be different? And then we have to kind of evaluate, is this realistic or possible? Because somebody might come to me and say, like, well, I want to be 20 years younger. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> probably can't do that. However, we you can get my probably. Wand. <laughs> right. So we want to evaluate sort of the, rea- the realism of, of, of the goals or things like that, you know. And then we say, okay, well, you know, from your perspective, like, what do you feel like hasn't, you know, has stopped you from getting there? Because a lot of people, they, they kind of already know. But we need them to say it out loud. Say it out loud in the presence of another human being. This is what's holding me back. Because most times they just bury it, right? We have we have a world filled with emotional anesthetics. You know, whether it's Netflix, whether it's junk food, whether it's alcohol, video games, pornography, like they, all these things are different types of emotional anesthetics that bring us, like the world is filled with what we call like super stimuli. You know, things that are, they're not found in nature and they stimulate our brain in ways that like we're not really wired to handle, you know? And so, yeah, we, we want to we figure this out. So I, I kind of just start with that approach. And, and like I have a kind of a structured path that I take people down, but I treat it more like the, the bumper rails in a bowling alley. So there's a lot of room in between there. We're just going to stop you from, you know, maybe landing in the gutter, basically. And uh, so I, I just want get to get to know them, how they got to where they're at. And then from there, we can start to sort of shape the path. And I'll put forward a principle and say, hey, I'm going to try this. We're going to try this for two weeks. 
And I want you to track how well you do this. I don't care about if you do it perfect or not. That's not the idea. But I want you to figure out like what works and what doesn't. From there, we'll adjust as necessary to make this work for you. And then we're going to build the next piece of the puzzle. We're going to try this, add this next little piece in. And same, same process. Try it for two weeks. I want to get some feedback. Does this work? Does it not? How do we shape this for you? And ultimately what I'm doing again is I'm trying to empower and give autonomy to the client and say, you get to build your own healthy lifestyle. I'm guiding you. I'm giving you starting points. I'm working with you. And then, of course, the coaching part of it is like, what do we do when we hit a stumbling block? What do we do when we hit an obstacle? When we start going in the wrong direction or things go off the rails? Because they always will. Like human beings relapse. We, we do. So now let's, let's coach you through that. And so you kind of put the two together and it, it works really well. But it's, it's the, the frustrating part is there isn't one answer. It's like everyone's journey looks individual. And I'm just going gonna, gonna to take you down this path and guide you. But you're ultimately going to be shaping your own path. All right, we need to talk about the podcast. As yeah. fellow <laughs> podcasters, what okay, so please tell our listeners what is the name of your podcast and what can they expect? Yeah, so it's called Between the Before and After. And it's really about telling people's life stories. Um, people who've overcome significant adversity in their life. So originally it was called Wellness Unplugged. And uh, it was it was more sort of on health transformations, but I just I'm so fascinated by human stories. And what's really cool is we as human beings we learn from stories. Stories are sticky, you know. Facts are not. Facts don't change minds. But what we do is we we let's say I'm looking for hope or inspiration because I'm in this really difficult situation. I look to see is there somebody who's been in my shoes before, and what is their story? And if I can see elements of myself in that, I can find hope in that. And so I want to, I want to do exactly that. I want to unpack people's stories of overcoming, you know, cause you know, social media kind of shows us like I was in this place and now I'm in this place, but it doesn't really give space to go deeper into well, what took place in between those two photos. Yes. You know, I, and I want to explore that. And so I, I call it between the before and after and sort of the subtitle is the stories that shape us. I love that title. That's, that's what we do. You get an A plus. <laughs> Thank a you. plus. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it is interesting. You know, that's what we do. We, we get people on here because of what they do, right? We talk about this mm. all the time. We get them on there because of what they do. Your coach, John, and you're on our podcast and all this stuff. But we just got to know a whole lot about you, you know, just from, a couple questions, you know, it wasn't like we had a list or anything like that. There's no list. I <laughs> yeah. promise you. I, I, there's no smoke and mirrors here. You know, it's just like, yeah. hey, who are you? What do you do? Okay, that's pretty neat. You're in the army, you know, the Navy and you sailed under the Golden Gate Bridge. And then the next thing you know, you know, we've got this whole story. And, and, and that's what's fascinating to us. And that's yeah. just that yeah. behavior. And, and, and it's a fascination of mine and Christine. Uh, you know, we have, have learned it's a fascination of hers and it sounds like it's very much uh, the same for, with you. And, uh, and and that's the key to having people change. I guess I'll just leave it at that. That's the key to having people change. You know, you got to figure out what the hell happened to them. You know, mm. get a diagnostic and, and then from there, okay, we got some things that we can do to fix this. If my brakes are squeaking, you just change them, you know, and it kind of uh, makes everything better. Then they work again. Um, and, and it comes from people's experiences and their stories. And uh, you've got fantastic stuff. Um, I'm very happy that you're here. John, please tell all of our listeners how they can, you know, learn more about you, follow the podcast, mm -hmm. um, social media tags, websites. We'll include <laughs> yeah, them yeah. in the notes, but go for it. Yeah. Uh, freedomnutritioncoach.com. So that's if you want to learn more about what I do in that realm. Um, johnmcclernan.com. Is, is, I do a little bit of mentorship as well now. Um, and really that's mostly about, I think, the gurus. We didn't really touch on this, but the gurus feel guru sphere, as I call it, is kind of filled with sharks, you know, predatory sharks who just want to take advantage of people. And so I want to tell people about the reality of building sustainable businesses because it's, it's like – the, the parallels between that and weight loss are amazing. Like you can get someone some really quick results in a three month span, but three years later, where's their business at? And so I want to teach people how to, cause I'm, I've been in business for seven years. How do you, how do you make a business that lasts? What does it actually look like? And that's kind of what I wanted to do. So I sort of inadvertently threw my hat in the ring, in, in the ring there as well. Any parallels between what you, uh, you know, you, you, you do with uh, behavior coaching and, oh, yeah. and, and uh, business coaching? Man. 
Yeah. I mean, we get in our heads all the time. Imposter syndrome is like the biggest thing that holds people back from, from taking action. Um, I don't, I don't think that I'm special. I mean, I'm only as special as like everybody else is. Um, but I know what my gifts are. I know what I'm good at and I'm confident talking about what I'm good at. And so I just think like, if I can help somebody kind of unlock what their gifts are and their unique abilities and then get them comfortable telling the world, this is what they're good at. Like it's, that's probably the, the biggest struggle. Like, so for so many years I was, I was afraid to, for people to find out that I'm actually really smart because in school I got made fun of for getting like straight A's and I don't get to take the credit. I, just, I got my brain free of charge. It's just the one I got, <laughs> you know, but I, I hit it for so many years because people made fun of me for like getting good grades back in the day. And, and I was, I was afraid like what happens, you know, or, or when it comes to like trivia games or whatever, I'm really quick thinking and it's really a pain in the ass for other people like games <laughs> with me, but it's just, it's just the brain I have. And, 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 uh, so anyways, I, I think about other people and I think, but well, what gifts do they have? And, and maybe that they take for granted or they don't really realize that they have these things or they're scared to talk about them or share them with the world. And I'm like, why not? We need, like, we need so much help. Like there's probably 400 million people in North America who need help right now, you know? And if we're afraid to like step into those shoes, like, and so I, I guess ultimately it's, it's kind of about the same thing. It's about creating a ripple effect, you know, because I can only coach so many people myself, yes. but if I can, if I can help other people um, move forward in this industry as well, because this industry, like weight loss and business mentorship, they're, they're full of sharks. They're full of people just taking advantage and being emotionally predatory. And so um, this is kind of my small step to create a bit of change there. Awesome. Here, here. I mean, that is. He's in good. We're, we are a good company. Spot on. Mm -hmm. The self-proclaimed guru who makes all this money, or we think. <laughs> At least they got a bright Just smile on Instagram. Do this one thing, yeah. and it's going to yeah. revolutionize your I've, life and make you happy forever. And Right? Yeah. I'm just waiting yeah. for you to stop talking so I can tell you what you need. Oh <laughs> I've got gosh. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, freedomnutritioncoach.com, johnmcclernan.com. Between the Before and After is my podcast. I have, I have like, two others, but they're on hiatus right now just because I'm, I've gotten really busy with a couple other things. I love podcasting. It's the thing I, you know, it, it's my favorite medium. Clearly, I don't mind talking, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, we love it too, and uh, we're happy to have you. It's uh, it's been a delight. Uh, I love we it. Appreciate you coming to us all the way from San Francisco <laughs> or wherever the hell you are, <laughs> San Francisco, Canada. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's a new place. Uh, you guys should visit. It's great. Uh, oh man, that was super cool. You guys got a great show and and, and a really great energy and and uh, you know. Hopefully you, you get like 250 more episodes at least. So. Oh, we're working on it. Christine's got them booked. Yeah, okay, well, now no, that's our book. As long as as long as we keep our friendship, we're good. Because otherwise, yeah. our really our whole like marketing, the yeah. marketing, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a big red it's X big over problem. one of it. No, 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 no. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> it's gonna be a well, I mean, fit crazy and a microphone. Oh, no, it's so fun. It, it, it could be funny. I mean, you might have to just have like a divider kind of between the oh two of you gosh, or whatever. That would be terrible. <laughs> you just like yell, yell back and forth. Yeah. I mean, it would be entertaining. It would be a mediator. Like, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> what a shitty question. <laughs> We'd be yelling at the guest like, don't answer his question yeah. and don't tell him it was you great. My question. Don't tell yeah. him it was a great question. That wasn't a great question. <laughs> that You know, that would, be, that would be quite a show. I mean, I think, has anybody done that? Where like Let's two people hate each other make a podcast? Right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, we I just, don't really like, want to try that. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> Whatever, we'll see. They'd end you up, could, they'd you end could up just... loving each other. It would be, per, you know, they'd end up like yeah. not hating each other. It'd be like, you know, that was a good question. Yeah, it's <laughs> just you know, two crazy a holes, yeah, like, who hate <laughs> and a microphone, yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the potential's there. There's man. so much. There's we yeah. always end up realizing we're just not that different from each other, right? Whether we, yeah. you know, we do this or that, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, we, uh, we, uh, we all put the pants on one leg at a time. Except for me, I jump Except right me, in. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyhow, it has been an absolute awesome time. John, I am so excited that we bumped into each other. We didn't even mention that we kind of had crossed paths with um with that whole burn along thing. And you yeah, do um what, like monthly Bur Burlong Cafe. Yeah, yeah. You do like monthly um what, like round tables and whatnot. So that's kind of yeah, important yeah. because you want people to see you there. Yeah, just creating creating community in 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 a, in a world filled with sort of digital divide. We want to create community and bring people together and give them the space to talk. So there's lots of instructional videos which are fantastic, but we wanted to with this thing here create some community where we connect with other people who are on a similar journey. 
That is very important. All right, so check out Connect check strong. out John on Burn Along as well because that's you know I'm another, a big deal another plug. There. You are a big deal. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, have a wonderful, wonderful day. It has been uh, so much fun. And uh, with that said, it is Christine Conti and I'm Brian Prendergast, and we are two fit crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.